Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And my friends, Hillsboro, Ohio, is a fine little city of about eight to 10,000 people, almost 50 miles exactly due east of Cincinnati. There's a fine church there, and the brethren have an excellent building to meet in, with lots of room for expansion should it prove to be necessary. Now, I mention this because back in the early 80s, Vicki and I lived there, working with the church for a little more than two years. However, I owned a house in Hillsboro that I continually was willing to sell and continually making payments on for 17 years. In the beginning of those 15 long years of absentee ownership, I would lay awake at night and worry about that house. It would truly make me physically sick. Would it ever sell? How are we going to continue to pay for it? I would plot different schemes for the selling of that house, including just auctioning it off to the highest bidder. But eventually I came to understand that all the sleep I was losing over that house didn't change a thing. And toward the end, I even began thinking, well, I guess I'm going to end up with a summer home in Hillsboro, Ohio. Or I guess that Hillsboro is going to be where I retire if I ever retire. God taught me a wonderful lesson with that house in Hillsboro. Now don't get me wrong. For most of those 15 long years, I was wishing that he had chosen a different way to teach it to me. But God taught me the futility of worry about material things. It reminds me of a passage found in the last chapter of the book of Job. After all of the trials and tribulations had come upon him, and Job had come out on the other side, he said in chapter 42 and verse 5, I have heard of thee by the hearing of my ear, but now my eye sees thee. I knew God's word to be true, but experience had once again proven it to be so. Let's go to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, where Jesus addresses a specific subject of worry. You know, my friends, doctor offices are filled with people who are there because of worry. And I find it very interesting that people in the first century dealt with the same anxieties that we do today, and we think that we are so sophisticated. Now the specifics may be different, but the overall result is the same. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, Jesus said, For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life, as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body than clothing? 
We will see in just a moment that Jesus went on and taught us how to deal with worry. It is significant, however, that Jesus directed his commandments toward worry for your life, by that meaning our physical life, what we're going to eat, drink, wear, and so on. The word that is translated in the King James Version is take no thought. It's the same word that is translated as care by Paul in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 28 when he wrote of his care for all of the churches. Most translations translate it as anxious. The idea is that it may very well be appropriate for Christians to be anxious over spiritual matters concerning the kingdom of God in the sense of a deep and sincere concern about such. But it is not appropriate for Christians to be anxious about things of this life. So the question is, how can we be free from this kind of worry? I believe Jesus gives us five rules in Matthew chapter 6 to help. The first is found in the last sentence of verse 25 and is simply that we must remember the power of God. Jesus said, Is not life more than food and the body than clothing? In other words, which is harder, to give life or to provide food, to bring into existence a human body or to furnish clothing for that body? If God gives life and bodies, certainly he can be depended upon to provide the necessities to sustain what he has created. I wish we had the time to read all of Job chapter 38 through chapter 41, where God questions Job, but the essence of his questions speak to his awesome power. Looking at chapter 38 of the book of Job, verses 4 through 6, God said to Job, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurements since you know? Or who stretched the line on it? Or what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? The point is, the greater implies the lesser. God created man. He will and has provided the things that man needs. Now, do not think for one minute that God's beneficence negates man's part in this because it does not. God created man to work. Even before sin entered into the world, God had given Adam the work of keeping the garden. After sin, we find in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 19, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Paul wrote in Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10, For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone will not work, neither let him eat. I firmly believe that if we do our part, we can rest assured that the same power of God used in the creation of the world and all that is in it, including man, is still working, and God uses it to provide for man's physical needs. Going back to Matthew chapter 6 and looking at verses 26 and then verses 28 through 30, we find these verses setting forth the second rule of freedom from worry. Jesus said, Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Now skipping on down to verses 28 through 30, the Lord continued, 
And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, neither do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Freedom from worry comes from remembering that God cares. If he cares for the birds of the air and the wildflowers which are so temporary, surely he will take care of us who are worth more than they are. There are so many passages that come to mind that evidence God's care for man, and especially for those of his house. In Psalm 37 and verse 25, a beautiful and encouraging verse, David wrote, I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. In Psalm 55 verses 22, we find, Cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 tells us, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And let us not forget the teaching of Hebrews 13 and verse 5, which tells us, Let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. God is not merely looking down from his lofty posts in heaven with no care or concern. He cares for us. The third of the rules that can help us be free from worry that Jesus presented in the Sermon on the Mount is found in verse 27 of Matthew 6. Jesus said, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cupid to his lifespan? Remembering the foolishness of worry can keep us free from it. All of us have done plenty of useless things in our lives. I know that I have. But none of us have done anything more useless than worrying. Worry never lifted a single burden, nor has it solved a single problem. Doctors tell us all the time that man does not die from working, but many die from worrying about the work that they do and about a host of other things. Obviously, Jesus was speaking of being anxious about things that I can't do anything about. What good does it do to worry about things that I cannot change? Freedom from worry, it comes when we learn to live one day at a time. Jesus pointed this out in verse 34 of Matthew 6 with these words, Therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That statement reminds me a great deal of what James wrote in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. In that passage, James wrote, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we shall go into such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and also do this or that. Nearly anyone can carry the burdens of a single day without breaking under the load. 
but far too many try to carry the burdens of the future along with the burdens of today. And yet Jesus clearly said each day has enough trouble of its own. I read a story about a preacher who visited a lady in the congregation who had been sick for a while and was unable to attend services. She was, for all intents and purposes, bedridden. He learned very soon that what was confining her to her bed was an acute case of worry. As he spoke to her about what was causing so much anxiety in her life, he discovered that everything she listed had one thing in common. None of it had happened yet. She was not concerned about actual, real problems. She was overcome with anxiety about potential problems. Two years later, she got down again and took to her bed. He went to see her and she began to tell him all about all the terrible things that just might happen to her family any day now. The thing was, those worries she listed as having her so upset were the very same things she had listed two years before and none of them had come to pass. One writer estimated that between 75 to 90% of those things people worry the most about never come to pass anyway. God wants us to walk in the light he gives us in his word and not to worry about the darkness that lies beyond. When we get there, his light and help will make it clear. Think of it this way. When we drive at night, our headlights don't shine all the way to our destination. They shine just a short distance in front of us, but as we move on, they keep shining just a little ahead and lead us to our destination safely. The light of God's word works the same way. In Psalm 119, verse 105, David wrote, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In Proverbs 6, and verse 23, Solomon wrote, For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is light, and the reproofs for discipline are the way of life. God's word gives us a wonderful principle that does work. Just take it one day at a time. The fifth rule that Jesus gives that will help us through controlled worry is to absolutely put God and his kingdom and the things of that kingdom first in our lives. Look at what he set forth in verses 31 through 33 of Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. I guess when we get right down to it, real freedom from worry comes from faith. Remember verse 30 of Matthew 6, when the Lord rebuking for worry said, O men of little faith. Worry is something we learn. If any of us are worriers now, it is because we have practiced worrying through the years. Since worry is a learned behavior, and it is, then it can be unlearned, if I may put it that way. To gain freedom from worry, we need to be in control of our thoughts. If any of us are worriers, then we need to do some redirecting of our thinking. 
I believe Philippians 4 is a most practical chapter to help us deal with worry. In verse 4, Paul wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. It is hard for one who is rejoicing in the good things of the Lord to be worrying very much. In verse 6, we find, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. If we take everything and lay it at the Father's feet in prayer, then it is awful hard to be worried. In verse 8, a verse that we use very frequently, we find, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there be any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. My friends, if we focus upon those kinds of things, if we take control of our thoughts, then there really won't be a whole lot of room for anxious thoughts and worrisome concerns. In verses 11 and 12, Paul wrote, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I know also how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and being hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. If I learn to be content with what I am able to provide with God's help through honest labor, and if I learn to simply trust in God, whatever may come, worry will not be a part of my character. I need to recognize, as verse 13 points out, I can do all things through him who strengthened me. That includes dealing with whatever problems might come my way. Then we have verse 19 telling us, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And he will. You and I need to believe that. We need to commit ourselves totally to Jesus as his obedient disciple and do our part, and then sincerely and truly trust God to supply what we need. He said he would, and he will. Words to think about. Thanks for listening.